Greetings, folks, and welcome back to Patriots of the Core podcast. I am Thad Forrester. This is episode number 83. Thank you for joining me again this week. Today's guest is Mark Lauren, bodyweight master. This is his third time on the show. And Mark is a former United States Air Force combat controller and instructor. He is an author of several books, including You Are Your Own Gym, The Bible of Bodyweight Exercise. I have that book. I got it shortly after it came out in 2010. He has a new book coming out in October called Strong and Lean, Nine-Minute Daily Workouts to Build Your Best Body. I have pre-ordered that, but I've been following Mark Lauren's app, his program, since January of 2018. He provides a discount code for listeners today, so if you go to marklauren.com and sign up for uh, get an annual subscription, you get 20% off by using the promo code PATRIOT. We cover a lot of stuff in this episode, basic health, fitness for middle-aged men, recovery, some specific exercises from his programs, all kinds of stuff. Ibuprofen slash Advil. So let's get in and talk to Mark. Mark, greetings from Thailand for you. I saw in the news last night that there's some rival monkey gangs going on in Thailand. What's going on with that? Oh, I guess they're not. The tourists are gone, so they're not being fed. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's I think that's what what you're talking about. So there's probably you know the, the competition is fiercer for whatever food food's left over. But yeah, they battle. I had no clue what that was about, but I saw a clip on the news last night. So my my favorite fitness guy and guru, uh, thanks for being on the show again. This is I believe this is the third time that you've been on Patriot to the Core. Being physically fit and healthy is not as hard as many people think. Would you agree? And why is that? I think if you know what, what what's really needed, it's it's not nearly as difficult or, or, or time consuming as uh, you know people often make it. Does it require that we understand our own needs, or is that even? Oh well, yeah, I think absolutely. And even how we define fitness, you know, I, I think when we when we think about fitness, a lot of times we, you know, in, in Western culture, we're like we're we're thinking about like the you know the, the men and women we might see on, on Instagram, and, and sure they're, they're you know they're fit, but they're very muscular, you know, they're kind of on an extreme end of something, but. Really, if you know, fitness to me is it's just about being able to live your life really well and being able to do that into old age, which is about general preparation. And, you know, what is general preparation? I guess general preparation is you can do all the common and basic things really well. Right. You're generally prepared and, and you also have the ability to to learn new things you know, as easily as possible because all your fundamentals are already in place. Right. So more complex skills, for example, they're they're still made up of the fundamentals because fundamentals are, you know, the thing that makes something fundamental is that it's always being used. So I think, you know, how, how we define fitness is really important. And um, and I think when we look at, at, at fitness as more of from a survival standpoint, survival and, and, and preparation standpoint, then um, it starts to kind of shed a lot of light on on what's needed and what's not really needed Hmm. and even if you want to get to those higher levels where you have you know this really beautiful body let's say or you you know you're really strong or really fast or something like that those things have to be built on a strong foundation and the foundation is made up of the fundamentals the basics what are some of the basics as your joint functions you know you you have to for example um, a really basic um, element of physical fitness is having healthy joints. 
And, and one of the ways that we develop and maintain healthy joints is just by training all the different joint functions that we have, right? So your spine, for example, you know, you have, if you bend forward, you have flexion. You know, if you look up, you have extension. If you tilt to the side or to the sides, you have, you have side to side lateral. I mean, you have lateral flexion and extension. If you turn your head, you have rotation and you also have circumduction making circles. Um, so those are the functions of your spine. You also have that for your hips. You have flexion, extension, rotation, abduction, adduction, etc. right? So you take your pelvis, your shoulders, your spine, your hips, and a really basic fundamental part of fitness is making sure that you have all those different functions, right? And if you think about it, if one of those functions is missing and then you try to play some more complex sport or, or um, participate in some activity where one of those joint functions is needed, it's going to be much harder for you to learn that new activity or your, your performance just won't be what it could be because that that function is missing. So by training those basics, right, uh, we ensure that you have all the joint functions needed for more complex activities. But we train those those basic joint functions in really simple situations, which is bodyweight rehab that you're familiar with, where we lie on the floor, you know, front line, back line, side line positions. And we just go through all the different joint functions. They feel so that's just good. one example. I, I love doing those like on a Sunday morning or over the day. I just day. did them. You just did them? I just did them like an hour ago, yeah. Sometimes I do them in the morning. Most of the time it's in the evening. But, yeah, I love mm. those. Yeah, it's amazing how it's very little energy is needed to to make ourselves feel better, to improve coordinate. Basically, very little energy is needed to improve, you know, a very basic aspect of of fitness, like joint functions, coordination, and basic mobility, um, when you know when when you have a better idea of what your actual needs are, it's amazing how much feedback I get. For example, from people that say, "Hey, you know, I, I had shoulder pain or hip pain, and you know, within a month of doing the prep program or a couple months of the prep program, this pain I've had for 10 years is gone." And I think really what, what that's that's all about, too, is it, that's another thing about about fitness is, is I think we, we make it harder than it, it, it needs to be. And we make it harder than it should be a lot of times. So I think one of the most common mistakes is that when people have had a long layoff, like you haven't been working out like you should and or, or, or for years um, or possibly never. But but usually the problem, I think, is we stop working out for some reason and then we try to when we get back into it. We have some expectation of where we should be because of where we left off. And who knows? Maybe that was 10 years ago. Maybe it was two years ago. Maybe it was a month ago. Right. But detraining is very fast. But instead of basically starting over and doing something very simple and easy and short, we, we kind of jump back in where we think we should be. And then we end up doing too much. And then like we're super sore. We're super tired. The cost is high. And then, you know, the behavior ends up stopping because of that. Mm hmm. I, I think a really super important part of fitness is absolutely smart progressions and regressions. I apologize for bringing this up again, but my Achilles rupture was such a really has affected me so so greatly. But when I had that in um, March of 20, obviously I couldn't do all of your. I think at that point I was probably doing the daily workouts. Well, I couldn't do them. I had a cast, mm. and uh, but what I could do is probably every one or almost every one of the rehab workouts 
because I was laying on my side, on my back, on the front. And if there was one where I may have had to do a step, I didn't do that. But there's still so much if you have an injury or if you have a cast or a brace that you can still do while you're injured. Absolutely. And and I think even with with smaller things that happen in, you know, in in regular sort of day to day life, like, you know, you're just tired. You didn't get a full night of sleep. Who knows? Maybe you went out and had some beers with your buddies. Right. You're not you're not really ready to have a, a, a full on workout, but you can still do something very simple and easy. That's extremely useful to you. Yeah, that's a good point, because sometimes when I'm dead tired, you know, the, the kids won't go to sleep and I, I, do, I can do something. I can do rehab and it feels really good. One thing that we wanted to make sure we talked about was middle-aged men, uh, which which mm-hmm. you and I are, are officially considered, and I don't know really what that age kind of range is, but I guess it's pretty subjective. But re- how are the physical needs of middle-aged m- males different from younger males? I think when you're young, you're extremely tolerant of inefficiency. You know, basically, as as you get older, your exercise programs, in order to be effective, need to be more balanced. And, and you have to do the right things, obviously. Um, you have to do the right things and the right balance and the right amount. And, of course, that, that's also what's ideal for, for, for younger people. But for younger people, it's just not as obvious because they have um, naturally a super high work capacity. You know, young kids, for example, they run around and, uh, you know, they're playing all day long. I remember, like, coming to Thailand and, and training here for, at, at the Thai boxing camps and, and the young kids – we're training three to four hours twice a day, six days a week, which was I couldn't I couldn't keep up. But the young kids were playing soccer in between training sessions. They had to be sleeping <laughs> it's, good it's, at night. It's mind blowing. <laughs> and you know, in, in a similar way, if I, if I think back to when I was on a team, for example, you know, we would train hard and we would play hard, and we would you know we would go out and in, in the evenings have fun until the wee, wee hours in the morning, um, and then. And then wake up early in the morning, do PT, you know, gear up, jump out of airplane, do mission planning, etc. And that was like that was nonstop. Um, and it worked for me. It worked for all of us. Right. Because you, 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 I think, again, like when you're young, you have enormous capacity for inefficiency. I think that's one one good way to look at it. As you get older, you have to become more efficient, which basically means, you know, how do you become more efficient? You have to get rid of unnecessary things. But being able to distinguish between necessary and unnecessary, of course, requires knowing what your needs are. And, you know, that's really something that I, I put a, you know, a, a ton of attention on is trying to clearly define things like what is fitness and what are these fundamentals? Like what are fundamentals? You know, fundamentals are the things that, that get used the most. And so what exactly are these athletic fundamentals so that we can create logical progressions out of them? Plainly put, then, I, I, I think the needs of middle-aged men versus young men, they're pretty much the same, except that, you know, your capacity for inefficiency is is much lower. So, yeah, you just, you, you, you have to train smarter. And I think, again, like one of the things too is that when you're young, you can do pretty much anything. And of course your body's gonna adapt. Like you're gonna get leaner, um, you, you, you're gonna get more muscular. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know, just because you're lean and muscular doesn't really mean that you're athletic. And we can go to any gym and prove that. You know, a lot of these, like, especially the bigger guys, they can hardly walk walk right. You know, God forbid you take them to the pool or take them climbing or take them on a run. 
the fundamentals have to be in place and it just becomes more obvious when we're middle-aged because when the fundamentals aren't in place and again like what are the fundamentals like when certain joint functions aren't in place we get a lot of feedback on that because there's certain movements that we just can't do as well and of course there's pain right because mm -hmm. because the muscles around your joints are um, out of balance so a lot of times what happens is uh, you know you, you have certain movements that are highly repetitive on a day-to-day -day basis, like sitting at a desk typing, right? So your body adapts to, to, to those um, repetitive type of movements by making certain muscles tighter, other ones become kind of more lax, and then basically the tension around the joints from the muscles is uneven, and that creates instability. And, and I think a lot of the pain that, that we experience comes from the nervous system basically sensing this instability and then it basically prevents certain movements or you know it disincentivizes certain movements with pain because there's instability so really super easy way again what and i think that's one of the reasons why body rate rehab does so much to eliminate pain and Im improve basic mobility because all you're really doing is you know you're going through all the different functions of your hips your spine and your shoulders in these different different lying positions and one of the things that it does is it evens out the tension around around the joints because for your shoulders for example you know you're not just going straight forward and back like you would you know a lot of the movements we do in day-to-day -day life they're kind of they're, they're on that sagittal plane front to back and when we exercise we do that a lot of times as well everything's front to back bench pressing pulling overhead press it's all sort of front to back but what about rotation, making circles, abduction, adduction, horizontal flexion and extension, things like that, right? So by putting our joints through all these different functions, evening out the muscular tension around those joints, that helps to get rid of a lot of pain. And then also, I think by doing a lot of, and I think one of the, so basically what I'm getting at is I think, I think one thing that I've, I've experienced with my own training is that it's really important for me these days to, to not just do hard workouts. I can't just go balls to the wall all the time. It's not healthy. A lot of my workouts, I would say most of my workouts, are low to medium intensity. Every once in a while, I'll get some. And, and there, there's huge benefit in, in these easy workouts, especially the ones where you're putting your, um, your joints through a full range of motion with all the different functions. And that is, it, it, it lets your nervous system know that these, these ranges of motion are safe. Right. So you're kind of regressing to a point where you can do something without pain and then the nervous system gets it. Oh, OK, that's safe. And it'll actually a lot of times um, decrease pain or eliminate pain because of that as well. And then from there, we can progress by just making those by challenging those functions in different ways so that there's a progression. Do you ever get to the point where you have to take a ibuprofen or Advil, you know, from such a hard oh, workout? I, I, of, of course. But I, I would actually say, you know, when I was about. I think about 35, I, you know, I used to train very hard and all my workouts were, um, they were balls to the wall. I mean, every single one, I, you know, I, I was just going at it as hard as I possibly could. And that definitely took its toll. So, I mean, to answer your last question about the difference between younger men and middle-aged men is you, ha you have to be able to um, dial in your intensity. You know, you, you, got, you, you got to be able to, you have to know when to stop when you're older. And I think especially when you come from certain like communities and a certain mindset, that can be really hard, knowing when to stop or knowing when to just have a light, easy workout. But yeah, so I mean, when I was 35, I was, I was, 
I was taking ibuprofen, you know, Ranger candy on, on a regular basis. But you know that that kind of, that's really what led me to um, developing Bodyweight Training 2.0 that you're familiar with. And for that program, I, I, I got with uh, Rafael Ruiz. That I mean, he, he he's an, he's an amazing strength and conditioning coach with a, pr- a pretty amazing track record. We got together with the the intention of developing a bodyweight exercise program that covers all the fundamentals. And again, like one of the things that that we had on our checklist of things that have to be covered is are all the different functions of the joints, especially the hips, spine, and shoulders. And then, of course, develop developmental movements like the transitions between lying and standing positions, and then also exercises. In, in standing positions and, and mobility. And that exercise program absolutely transformed me a, as an athlete. It, it was a pretty miraculous sort of about face. And I, I really don't think I'd be able to do what I'm doing now at the level that I'm doing it if, if it wasn't for that, that change in mindset where I go from basically, you know, just going balls to the wall with, you know, more conventional exercises like, like, like push-ups and um, you know, all these really hard, difficult exercises that, you know, they're impressive, but is it really what you need? You know, do you need to be able to do hands, unassisted handstand pushups or front levers, back levers? So, yeah, that that transition in, 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 in thinking and how I approach fitness and really kind of valuing the basics is uh, it's, it's allowed me to, to function and, and not eat ibuprofen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, not not nearly like I used to. Yeah, yesterday was one of those days where I, I had to take some. I had a, a rare day for me, but it was a great day. I, I got up early, and I rucked two miles with 20 pounds in my, my pack. And then um, and it was a pretty pretty flat area. And then I, I rode my bike five miles later, like midday. And then I played tennis last night. And I got home about a little after 10 o'clock. It's real humid this week and hot and so i yesterday was one of those days i had to have some ibuprofen to help me sleep <laughs> that's a that's a decent workload there yeah that felt good for sure i wanted wow. to tell you how without boring everybody i wanted to give you some examples of how you have helped me and uh, i 100 percent i attribute this to to following your programs since i've been following you since january of 2018 right when your your app launched your web-based app at the time mm-hmm and I got that year right. Wasn't it 2018? Or, or, That's right. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so like my shoulders. I have, my brother Mark and I always said we had fairy shoulders. He had to have surgery before he, he went into the Air Force. Um, I've never had surgery, but I, I have a weak shoulder. I can attribute it to a specific instance of what happened. But So what it did is when I, I used to play tennis regularly, like at least once a week. I was in a league for years and years. But I always had to warm up my serves for a long time, a lot longer than everybody else. And most all the guys mm-hmm. I played with were a lot older than me. But I was the one they were waiting on, I was trying to get my shoulder loosened up. I couldn't just start out hitting hard. In fact, I was saying that to myself when I was, play- I was playing tennis in March of 20, the day I tore my Achilles. I was so kind of saying that to myself. I was like, you know what? My shoulder is not hurting. I don't have to warm up anymore. Because mm-hmm. I had taken kind of a, a few-year break of tennis, and so I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. know that it was doing better. And then of course my, my, my Achilles popped and I had a whole different problem, but you know, some of those shoulder movements, like the ones I think that, that feel the best to me are the S reach, the pointers. And, mm-hmm. and, and I can't remember the pointers were the ones I like the most are when you're laying on your stomach and your hands are, are on your um, lower back 
and you point, you do one at a time, point straight out front. Oh, oh, oh uh, you, you reach underneath your armpit and then pass yes. your head? Yeah. Uh-huh. Are those pointers as well? Uh, I, I call those uh, single arm reach. Single arm reach, that's what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the hitchhikers. The, the hitchhikers feel so good. Yes. Uh-huh. So I think those right. have really helped my shoulders a lot. And, you know, the, there's a few other ones like um, the moose antlers. And then yeah, my, that's a nice one. My back, I think that... Years well in in 2018 I spent a lot of nights in the hospital with our youngest son and I was just I was just dying from that that chair I was sleeping in and I remember one day in particular I I probably had the worst back pain I'd ever had and I went I was able to go home for a little while and I did some rehab and specifically I did some hip thrust and I think those solely fixed my pain but that your your rehab saved my back in the hospital there years ago I wasn't hurt but you know my son was. And then I went camping like in, back a few months ago, and I haven't camped and slept on the ground in, oh my gosh, 30-something years probably. And it was very, very uncomfortable. I'd forgotten how uncomfortable sleeping on the ground with rocks and stuff was, but unlevel ground. But I had zero pain, zero discomfort when I woke up the next morning. And I, I attribute that to what I do following your programs every day mm-hmm. because some other adults were not – so fortunate there was there was definitely some complaining going on and i hurt my back i think my my limp from my achilles we did a lot of walking in the fall we went to uh, an amusement park to dollywood and i think something may have happened doing all that walking with the limp and it just my back got so bad i was having to like every day lay in the floor which feels so good you know and you you talked about it and just do so many rehab exercises laying on my back and that's that's what got me back moving again pain-free it's a great little uh, toolbox for, for fixing yourself up with without a lot of effort. Yeah. And then, of course, pull-ups. Now, you know my pull-up situation, and this is kind of just a personal thing. I The most pull-ups I'd ever done, strict, unassisted pull-ups, I think I ever got to was like 12. Well, I, I stopped working out like that, and then I didn't really have access to a pull-up bar for a while. <clears throat> I got down to like six was my max. And so just recently, I was like, I got to. I got to get this up to at least 10, at least for just personal pride here. So I talked to you and said, what what would you do to get back to 10? And you gave me a program, and it started June 1st, I think, or March 31st. I think, no, uh, it was June 1st. I got to 10 pull-ups in five weeks, and I strict I followed strictly what you told me to do, and, and dadgum, it worked. So so thank you. I mm-hmm. shared that in the community and um, and shared the little spreadsheet that I made based on what you told me. There's a lot of benefit in just doing um, a lot of easy work consistently with it without killing yourself all the time. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Is just I was basically yeah. doing about half of my max three times a day. If you think about, I mean, the, one of the ways I look at it too is, I mean, some some of the best performers that I had when when I was a, a, a trainer in as a combat controller <clears throat> were uh, were the guys that just grew up in the country working. I mean, they weren't necessarily like great at push-ups, but then again, like, what do you really need push-ups for? But when you and, and, and when you look at um, how how strong men used to be when when you know, I, I guess like you take a butcher or something like that, or or anybody that does manual work. But, but these men, they become incredibly strong by just doing work throughout the day. And I think that's one of the the, the great benefits of bodyweight exercise is that you can easily duplicate that. You know, that's going to be really hard to do, of course, if you want to lift weights, because then, you know, you you have to basically live in a gym or go to a gym five, ten times a day or three times a day. 
right? But with bodyweight exercise, you can just pick a, a few a few bodyweight exercises and then do them throughout the day, let's say anytime you walk in and out of a, a, a certain room. And if you do that throughout the week, you're going to add up a lot of a lot of repetitions and a lot of work. And it, it's really effective for uh, for making yourself stronger. Well, somebody I noticed in the we have a little a Mark Lauren community and, and, and they they asked the question if they should skip one of the workouts because they couldn't do it. I think it was the the knee hip extension. And they uh-huh. may they may have just been starting out, you know, and, 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 and Leah, who is well, maybe we can explain who Leah is later, but. Leah quickly responded, no, you know, don't skip it. And I, I can't remember what else she said, but I think she was like, you can just modify it, do what you can. Do you remember that? Um, we, we get that a lot, asking, you know, I, I can't do this exercise. You know, sh- should I skip it or, or do something else? Or, you know, is there some other exercise that I can I can do to improve it? And really, I think I think one of the most important things about fitness and general preparedness is finding those weak points or finding the things that you can't do that you probably should be able to do and then working on those those exact things. You know, you're, you're only as strong, a chain is only as strong as, as its weakest link. And yeah, so like whenever there are exercises that somebody can't do or can't do very well, um, I think we have the tendency to like to, to dislike it and then focus on the things that we're really good at. But really like I think it's the greatest value is in those exercises that we can't do very well or can't do at all. And then you just have, you just do what you can and create a progression out of it. If, you know, if you're, you're, if you're supposed to fully extend your leg, but you can only extend it, let's say 30 degrees, then, you know, with repetition over the months, maybe over the years, you, you, you increase your range of motion. And of course, the best way to improve things is by doing the actual thing that you're trying to improve. Yeah. You do a good job of letting people know that, Hey, if you have trouble doing this, you can do this. So, um, I mean, there's really no excuse for, for not doing it because you can modify it and work on the progressions, like you said. That's the exact, that's the exact thing you need to be doing more than anything else. Mm. There's a few specific moves that I wanted to bring up for people that, especially people that follow you, they'll know exactly what these are. Because I just wanted to ask you the, the importance of them. Um, one of them would be like the step elbow drop and, uh-huh. and the A-frames. Cause now A-frames are, really hard for me. I, I've done them a hundred times. I still do them, but I can ne- mm-hmm. I cannot get my elbow on the ground. What's the importance of, of those moves? Um, the step elbow drop and A-frames. Um, I mean, the step elbow drop, you're, you're going from a crawling position and then placing, say, your, your left foot next to your left hand and then dropping the left elbow to the ground, if you can picture that um, for, for your listeners. And I mean, that, that's, that's mainly a, a hip mobility exercise. One of the, the most important, like one of the most fundamental skill sets that we have that nobody ever really talks about, strangely, is the ability to get up and down off the ground, right? If you think about it, like if you think about the fundamentals in any subject, right, you always learn the fundamentals first because they're the most important, math, music, etc. When it comes to athletic ability, the first thing you learned in life was to get up and down off the ground, which then led to walking, running, you know, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And, you know, in those transitions, you have, for example, like if you get up and down off the ground, there's going to be you're going to go from a double kneeling position to basically a single kneeling position, which is also a lunge. Right. And that requires basic hip mobility. So I think the the um, the step elbow drop, the reason I I chose that exercise for the the prep program or, or, you know, body weight rehab is because it uh, one of the things that that I saw with working with. And I worked with kids that had cerebral palsy. I also worked with 
um, elderly people in uh, assisted living facilities. And one of the, the things that I saw people struggle with, and, and it, it really impaired their ability to get up and down off the ground, which is super important. I mean, we know that people after the age of 60 start falling. And that, I mean, that literally kills people because you end up immobile and then you can't move. People take care of you. And that's kind of, you know, you're, you're near the end there. So one of the goals of my exercise programs, aside from making you lean and muscular and all that, is joint functions and developmental movements. And, and you need that basic hip mobility basically to get your leg out there and so you can stand up or, or in reverse to get down to the ground as well. So basically that's all we're challenging with, with the, the step elbow drop. You take that step forward right, with, from a crawling position. And then you drop your elbow, and that just challenges your, your hip mobility. Again, so I, I chose that specific exercise because I saw a lot of times people had trouble transitioning from a crawling or double kneeling position to a nice long single kneeling position so that they can get up done off the ground. Well, no doubt that many adults past yet whatever age, including my age, do not like to get on the ground and then get back up. There's a lot of moaning and aching and I felt that way at times, but but now it's really it's not an issue. Rarely, unless I just happen to be sore from a specific um, activity. Yeah, and I think I think um, also just applying a lot of awareness. You know, I, I need to do more tutorials for uh, Mark Lauren on demand about specifically the, tr- the transitions, the most efficient transitions between lying, kneeling, and standing positions because it's it's really important, and it's it's we want to you know now. In, in the middle age, we want to start training those mo- the most efficient movement patterns, and uh, so that that we we you know they're deeply ingrained by the time we're 60, 70, 80 years old, and then you know you can basically even if if you have aches and pains, you know what you need to do, you or, or you know how to adjust your movement patterns to kind of work around an injury, because I think one of the things that happens is when we're young, we use our strength for these things. We're not using efficient movement patterns. We just rely on strength and we do things that are really athletic just because we can. And what we never really learn is the easiest, most efficient way to, to get up and down off mm-hmm. the ground. So then what happens is once you lose your strength and things start to hurt, right, that now you start to use have really weird movement patterns because you're moving around certain, uh, you know, you're, you're moving a certain way to, to avoid that little ache. And, um, uh, and basically, yeah, you, you, you lose your strength and you never did develop those really efficient movement patterns for, for getting up and down off the ground. And, and once you, we lose those transitions, that's, of course, when it starts to become really easy for you to fall. And, and you all, you're also becoming more fragile because you're losing your, your flexibility and your strength. So uh, that's, that, I think that's a big part of fitness. Yeah, I heard a guy one time, his name is Dan John, and he had this kind of fitness test and one of them was getting up and down off the ground with minimal touch points and his deal was you start out with 10 points you have to you have to get on the ground and sit on your butt and then get back up on your feet and each time that you put a part of your body on the ground other than your feet so and your butt so like if you put your hands down each hand you deducted a point and you needed if you got below eight then you needed some work if you were eight or above you were fine and so I, I, when I get on the ground, I use one hand, so I deduct one. And when I get up, I use one hand, I deduct one, so I'm okay, according to him. But I don't know if that's something you've ever – that you kind of follow maybe in a different way as well. I mean, I, I think that it's probably a pretty 
useful measure of certain qualities of, of, of fitness, like, like let's say, uh, you know, strength. But I, I think, you know, when it comes to performance, you know, I always say performance is efficiency. So I think performance can be defined as the measure of energy needed to achieve some goal. You know, and that applies to everything, whether it's a car or a soccer game or, or boxing. I mean, you look at like guys like Mayweather, um, they're just incredibly efficient in, in, in achieving a goal with uh, minimal use of energy. And I think we need to apply that thinking to everyday tasks, the most common tasks like getting up and down off the ground. So I would really I want to challenge people to achieve you know, to be able to transition between lying and standing positions with as little energy as possible. Basically, instead of relying on strength, I want you to rely on coordination and mobility. If you think of really high-level athletes, really the thing that separates them from other people is, uh, is coordination and is doing the right things at the right time. What about benefits of streamline RDLs? Oh, right. Well, so, I mean, you also asked about A-frames, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Those A-frames a- again are, are going to challenge your, uh, your your hip mobility. They also stretch your your, your hamstrings and calves. The, you know your your the back of your legs, which the RDL also the RDL will also the, the RDLs is, is are stiff legged deadlifts, right? And you're talking about stiff legged deadlifts with your arms at a streamlined position, a bodyweight exercise, and yeah, it, that's going to stretch the entire back of your body, even to include your lats with your arms at that overhead position. And I think it's also useful for for developing good movement patterns in that, you know, if you're doing it right, you're going to have your feet parallel, you're pushing your hips back and, uh, and and, you know, your upper body is tilting forward with a straight back. Hmm. And you're just making yourself really long and straight in both the the upright standing position and when you're bent. So the benefits of the RDL or or the the stiff-legged deadlift is – it's stretching your calves, your hamstrings, your lats, and it's it's going to teach you to push your hips back when you bend um, while keeping your back straight. Or, and keeping your back straight, like why is that useful? It's because your, your spine is basically in a neutral position where it's safest. Hmm. What about windshield wipers with legs straight? If I had a video of me doing them, it, it would just have to be awful. Yeah. I do them, but they're tough. I can't keep my legs straight for sure. Uh, that, you know what? And that's that's not that's not super uncommon. It's not really that important with these exercises. A lot of times that, for example, you know, with the A frames or the step elbow drop, it's not super important that you can get your elbow all the way down to the ground. And it's not necessarily super important that you can make your legs perfectly straight for these exercises as well. We really just want to challenge all all these different functions. Of course, over the months and years, um, you should definitely you, you should gain some some range of motion. We're all built differently, you know, so, you know, I naturally have, have flexible hamstrings, but for example, my, um, my adductors have always been tight, you know, like I've, I've never even been close to being able to do one of those like straddle splits, even when I was training for it a lot. If nothing else, we, we, we want to hold our ground when it comes to the, to, 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 um, to our ranges of motion so that, you know, as we get stronger, and we develop better movement patterns. We at least want to we, we want to ensure that we're not get we're not becoming stiffer because of our strength training. Yeah, and I think when you at least for me when I was doing 100% gym and you, you know weights, I felt good. I was stronger, but I I didn't feel as good, and I um I was stiffer absolutely. Yeah, right. And I I think that's that that's one of the things too is that 
how we position in order to do things really determines how safe and injury resistant we are. You know, like when you bend over to pick something up or, you know, you, you throw a kid up on, on, on your shoulders or something like that, or you're just doing any kind of other work, um, you're just a lot less likely to get hurt and you're going to save energy if you can position properly. But positioning properly, you know, and so that your joint alignment is, is so your joints are aligned in a way that you're as efficient and safe as possible. That requires a little bit of flexibility a lot of times. That's really what the flexibility training in my eyes is all about. It just it's so that you can position properly for, you know, for for the tasks that you do on a daily basis. And of course, if you play sports and things like that. But I think flexibility can also actually be a little bit overrated and that, you know, there is that that tension that we have in our body. It's there for a reason. And one of the things that it does is um, it actually does in some ways make us make us more efficient because it, it like you become springy. And like if you look at people that do nothing but yoga and they do a lot of it, if you see them play any kind of sport like basketball or something like that, it's like they're like floating around like jellyfish. You know, there's like no springiness to them. <laughs> Or if you look at really good swimmers, of, of course, they fly in the water, but get them out of the water to do something um, athletic and, you know, their knees are bending backwards and all these things. So, I mean, I, I guess what, what am I getting at? Um, we, we just want that right balance of mobility and stability and more isn't necessarily better. Mark, scientifically, is there a best time of day to exercise? I get, I've had that question asked a lot. And my, my answer is always that, you know, the most important thing about exercise, I think, is, you know, aside, aside from just doing the right things and having a balanced program is consistency. I mean, that's absolutely the most important thing. So even if there is some, you know, ideal time of day when who knows, you know, your hormones are perfect or something like that. If there's some other time of day that allows you to be consistent because it's convenient and you enjoy it, I would say definitely go with whatever allows you to be consistent. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and I think I think convenience and, and making things as easy as possible is really the behavior that you want to continue. You want to make it as easy and rewarding as possible. So, Mark, if you were coaching a high school track team and you had full control over the program, what would your training program look like? I mean, I chose track, but I guess we well it'd be specific for different sports. So I guess we can do track unless you want to use a different sport. No, track, track, track is fine. A high school track team. Mm -hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. And you had full control over the program. What would your program look like for, for the, for their exercise and strength training and everything? I mean, I, I think we would, we would, uh, definitely have a program that, that systematically covers all the different joint functions. And uh, I would use a lot of body weight exercises or, you know, little, like the bands even, um, and, and small weights, like doing all those little accessory exercises is going to be very important. But then you also have plyometrics and, I mean, depending track and field, I mean, let's, let's you know, th there's lots of different mm -hmm. events. But uh, for the, the, the shorter distance guys, the, the sprinters, you know, you, you got to have some weights in there. Absolutely. You know, the selection of exercises and, and how you perform those exercises um, would all have to be geared towards locomotion, right? Which actually, my exercise program is like when 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 I decide when I have to make the decision, okay, like how, like what technique am I going to use for squatting or bending exercise or this lunging exercise, etc. Really, I think the you know I, I think exercise or athletic ability can be summarized by the word locomotion. 
right? Like, because think about the thing that you use, the athletic skill set that you use for absolutely everything you do. Like, we always have to get from point A to point B. If you're a soccer player, if you're a football player, if you're a basketball player, if you're a track athlete, right? It's all locomotion. But even let's say you're a boxer or let's say, you know, javelin or, or any of these throwing events, if you think about those activities, if you think about walking or sprinting, there's obviously stepping involved. And for every step, right, let's say I'm walking, crawling is actually, the, crawling and rolling are the same, but for walking or, or running, you have side to side, you have rhythmic lateral weight shifting, right? Like every time you step, you're sh you, you step left, weight shift left. You step right, weight shift right. So you have that side to side weight shifting. And of course, you have that coordinated with the steps. Along with each step and weight shift, you have that opposite shoulder movement, right? So you have that contralateral hip and shoulder movement, right? So just, just think of yourself walking. As you step forward with the left leg, the right arm comes forward. And then it's the other leg and other arm. You know, crawling is going to be like, you, you can crawl that way. Hopefully you walk that way. In basic training, there's always that guy that, you know, like steps forward with the left leg and then the left arm goes forward at the same time. But ideally, you have that contralateral hip and shoulder coordination with rhythmic side to side weight shifting, you know, and that, that, that creates rotation around the spine, you know, back and forth. You have that for walking, jogging, sprinting, but you also have it for striking and throwing. You know, think about, for example, throwing a bowling ball. That last swing, you step forward with the left leg, the right, the, 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 the right arm is back, and there's a weight shift, and then you, you roll that ball, and there's a weight shift again. If I'm boxing and I have an orthodox stance, or let's say I, I, I'm boxing and I'm just I'm, I'm throwing one, two, one, two, one, two, I'm just throwing punches, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. You're still, you're going to have that same side-to-side -side weight shifting, Right. If you're punching right, because you're, you're, you should be shifting your weight and you have that rotation around the spine again. So all these throwing events, really throwing events and, and other track and field events, they involve rhythmic side to side weight shifting with stepping and hip and shoulder coordination. So those are the fundamentals of, of, of how humans move. And the most efficient way to actually train. One of the things I discovered is I spent hours it, and months like trying to figure out what's the most efficient way to transition between lying, kneeling and standing position. Right. And what I found is that when you do it the most efficient, the easiest way, it, it, you're going to you, you have to rely on coordination and you, you have that same sort of rhythmic weight shifting side to side. Right. And I'll give you a simple example of that. If I transition from let's say I'm in I'm in a double kneeling position on the ground as I step forward with the left leg and transition to a single kneeling position. And then stand up to a standing position. Again, you have, you know, if I step with the left leg, it goes weight shift left, stand up, weight shift right. I, I mean, I, I kind of got off on a tan tangent because you asked about the track team. Yeah, but it's, okay. but it's, it's actually a really good example because track and field, one of the things that makes track and field so useful, I think, is that really you're just taking very fundamental athletic skills to a very high level. And that's why you get these guys, you know, that, that are really great at the 200 meter sprint or the 200 yard sprint and they go play professional football. But, yeah, I would all the different joint functions, developmental movements and, of course, weightlifting. But the weightlifting has to be geared towards locomotion. 
And, and for example, you don't want to get them in the habit of, of rotating their knees out and their feet out or, 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 you know, or, or going into extension with their spine so that they can lift more weights. You know, so yeah. they, they wouldn't want to lift weights the way power lifters lift weights because power lifters are doing what's, what makes them efficient with lifting weights. Track people should, should lift weights in a way that makes them efficient when basically when getting from point A to point B. So it would be a little bit different. And then, of course, the main thing you have them do is just the actual thing that they're trying to improve. Yeah. And, of course, you can you can take complex skills and then break them down. And I think that's that's what most coaches do anyway. Like you can take, you know, when, when, like like take football, for example. Uh, they just break down the sport into, into small steps and, and create drills out of them. And you, you can also take athletes and analyze their movements. And you can do that with yourself. And, you know, if there's if there's some – movement that an athlete isn't doing you know like what's a good example of that um let's take a tennis serve if your overhead arm extension is 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 not what it should be then you know what you can do is you 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 isolate that joint function and and improve that joint function um with let's say moose antlers or other similar exercises where your arm is in that position Mm -hmm. and then have them get up and, and and practice serving Right. So it's it's like when you're learning stuff, it's always a, pro- a progress. It should always be a progression from simple to more complex. So you take complex movements and then break break them down into the individual parts, train those individual parts and then put them back together in the complex movement. And, and you know, and that improved performance with the simple parts should improve the performance of the more complex activity. Yeah. See, that's why I think this your philosophy is so important, because as we age and we get a little stiffer or in a, maybe a little weaker and our recovery time is a little longer that we can still do everything we want to do. I mean, I, I still play tennis and I do not move as well as I used to. I think a lot of it is from the Achilles, but I, uh-huh. I was just noticing it last night. I'm like, I, if somebody was videoing me right now and I was watching myself, it would just be horrendous to watch my movement because I, I feel I feel so slow and non-explosive and I've always been slow. It's worse now, but to be able to isolate things like you're saying and help, yeah, because I got bad shoulders, right? And I've been able to make them feel so much better, and it has helped my serve in tennis at least to be able to not have to not feel as stiff and not have to warm up as long, and, and it, therefore it not hurt me like it did at one point in my life. I wish I'd known some of this stuff like 15, 20 years ago. I mean, one of the things that you can do to um, for, for your tennis game. I mean, it's it's nice that you don't necessarily need to warm up the way you, you used to. But one of the things you could also do is, uh, you know, make very activity specific sort of preparations or warm ups where, you know, like I don't know if you've tried it, like maybe go through the um, rehab sideline exercises before you go play next time. Yeah, like with the, the sideline snow angels and the arm swings, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Because think about it, those those are similar positions. Yeah, that's a good point. I've got them all memorized, just about. It would be uh, easy. And you could do that for anything. I mean, warm up the individual parts and then put them together. Mark, what's the status on your upcoming book, Strong and Lean? Because I've pre-ordered it. I think Strong it's coming lean, out in uh, uh, October. Yeah, I just approved the, the, the final manuscripts. And um, that's going to be publishing, what's the exact day? I think October 12th here in the United States. And it's, you know, it's strong and lean, nine-minute daily workouts to build your best body. And it has uh, four six-week programs 
made up of uh, you know nine minute workouts. And then of course there's a there's a uh, a warm up and, and a cool down. So everything together, I mean, it, it it won't take you more than I think about 14 minutes. Yeah. Well, those um, that I do of yours, the ones you have now that are about the nine uh-huh. minutes, um, and they're it's amazing. I look at them, I'm like, okay, this is this this shouldn't be an issue, and <laughs> I'm always wrong. I mean, they they get me good. Even with, with myself, a lot of times I, I tell myself like, yeah, I think I'll, you know I'll, I'll do three of these uh, nine minute workouts, and then I end up doing one, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it's because if you think about it, a lot of these workouts, like the way I make um, the the nine minute strength training workouts, is you have you know to get a full body strength training session, you have a pulling exercise, a pushing exercise, and a you know a leg and hip exercise. I mean, if you if you were like let let's take you know weights for example, or you know if you were going to bench press, do pull downs, and then and then squats, and then you did three extra if you did three sets of each, that's a pretty comprehensive full body workout. You can do that with body weight exercise, where you have you know I'll, I'll just take exercises that everybody's familiar with, um, push ups, pull ups, you know like let's say iron mics, you know plyometric sort of jumping exercise. Mm-hmm. If you do one minute of each, right, that's three minutes. If you do, you know, you do, let's say you do a minute of push-ups, a minute of pull-ups, and a minute of, uh, of these plyometrics, iron mics, that's three minutes. And then you repeat that three times, that's a nine-minute workout. And, and you're not wasting time resting because you're, you're, you're basically getting, you know, after you do the push-ups, the muscles you use for push-ups, you know, they get to rest while you're doing pull-ups and, and iron mics. But of course, you know, so you're getting that active recovery while also challenging your, your cardiovascular system. So it's just a really super efficient way of, of training. Yeah. Several of those I do, if people could see, you know, in, in my closet, because I've got that, that bar that you showed me that you use to, for pull-ups. And I use, I use it for uh, let-me-ups. And okay. um, when, it, when, I, when you require the let-me-ups... I just work out in my closet, and that's all I need is that small space. So far. In, in your, your closet. Life. You have a walk-in closet, obviously. Yeah. Uh-huh. Your book, You Are Your Own Gym, came out in 2010. If you were doing that book again, is there anything that you would do differently? Anything that you've learned that you would have, that may be like a belief or, you know, techniques that weren't effective or healthy at the time? Well, I mean, I, I'm writing Strong and Lean now, so or I, I wrote Strong and Lean now, so I think – you can see a lot of my lessons learned in that book. I think, you know, what 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 are those lessons learned? One of the things is, you know, when when I wrote "You Are Your Own Gym," I had just gotten out of the special operations community as 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 a young guy, and I was completely out of touch with the fitness level and preparedness of the average person. The programs in in "You Are Your Own Gym," I think, uh, by the average person's standards, are quite difficult. They're very difficult. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that um, we, we make in the fitness industry, and, and you know, I talked about it earlier a little bit, is we do too much in the beginning. And really, like when you're just starting out or you've had a, you've had a break, just reset to the beginning and do, and do as little as possible, honestly, so that it's short, easy, and rewarding. And then just progress from there. And if you were at a high level before, then that just means you'll be able to progress faster. But yeah, so I think... Like strong and lean now has the workouts are much simpler. So again, you know, my, my, my motto is sort of per- performance is efficiency. 
And uh, and that really comes down to eliminating unnecessary um, complexity and reducing to, to just the essentials. But, you know, I, I, to be honest, like I, I'd be hesitant if I, if I had a time machine, I'd be hesitant to change anything about you are your gym because, uh, you know, it, it, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think those, those are some big lessons. Lessons learned there is that, uh, you know, again, like I've I've. Over the years, I've really learned to appreciate and value smart progressions of fundamental athletic skills. Your community has, it seems to me, all range of abilities and ages and health levels. So with people, you know, that are maybe backs are getting weak and our shoulders, you know, we're having more joint pain or our you know, knees are starting to hurt more. You know, my knees pop every time I squat and they have since I was in my twenties after, I think after a knee surgery, belly fat is maybe harder to control. You know, what do we need to do? What do you teach people? Is it diet number one or is it, is it exercising as the priority or is it just absolutely got to be both? I like to focus on exercise first. One of the reasons I like to focus on exercise first is because I feel like I like to focus on doing things versus I think it's more difficult to not do things, if that makes sense. You know, I think when it comes to diet, a lot of diet often is about not doing certain things that you're in the habit of doing. And, you know, when it, when it comes to exercise, it's more about doing something. And I think also if the, the, one of the reasons I like to focus on exercise first is because it's, it's an investment of energy. And then once you start to see the, the, the results from that, it's, it's just rewarding. And I think th- those rewards are uh, what, what sort of reinforce that, that behavior and then make it more likely that you're also going to start doing the things that are necessary for diet. So that's just kind of the progression that I prefer. Um, focus on exercise. <clears throat> and again, make it as easy as, as humanly possible. It's all, I think, make it convenient and rewarding. And, uh, and that's really my aim at Mark Warren On Demand. And then I think you, know, you can see that with the prep program, for example, where or, or even pre-prep where we start with easy 10-minute workouts. And people actually get incredible results from that. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's really the biggest mistake that, that I see. And I, I, I often make that mistake still, not that I ever completely stop working out, but maybe there's, you know, what I'm focusing on is constantly changing. So, you know, maybe I didn't do a certain exercise or, you know, every once in a while I like to lift weights. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I haven't touched weights in a while like you know i haven't i've just been doing the 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 new strength training program that that released today but then when i get back to something start at a low level start really easy like don't challenge yourself be lazy about it and then just progress from there start with the basics you got you got to ask yourself what are the basics i mean i think a lot of times what what when people start wanting to work out again we're uh we're not really starting with the basics or the things that we really need you know, like you, you probably don't need to be doing a whole bunch of push-ups every day because you're sitting at a desk all day long with your arms in front of your body. Your chest is already tight. And, you know, I think push-ups and these other sort of very common exercise exercises kind of, you know, in some ways they kind of make it worse because we're sitting in chairs all day, right, which which tends to make our hip flexors tight, which pulls our pelvis out of, out of position uh, and, and things like that. So, you know, if, if then you start doing a bunch of flutter kicks and sit-ups because you're trying to work out again and push-ups, you're just making the front of your body even tighter than it already is. You know, really what we should be doing, like, I, you know, if to give some examples of things that are useful, I think, for, for, for beginners or, or, or activities to start out with, 
probably walking, honestly, is one of the best things that you can do to start out. You know, going for and – and I walk about – I try to do about 20 minutes of uphill walking every day. But it doesn't have to be uphill if you, you don't have a treadmill or anything like that. Lunges are great. Pulling exercises. And then, you know, you know that's what I – I have the prep program and pre-prep that, uh, that focuses on, on, on all the different joint functions. You got to get those joint functions in, in order before you start applying stress to your frame. I think that's brilliant because I've known so many people, and, I, and I've fallen into this too years ago, uh-huh. is if I haven't been doing anything and then say, oh, I'm going to do 30 or 45 minutes of whatever every day. And every time I've known somebody to go from zero to saying they're going to do that every day, 100% of the time it, it fails after a few days. You know, I knew a guy like, I'm going to ride my bike, my stationary bike, 45 minutes every day, starting now. And he did it for two days, and then I think he never did it again. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. even when he told me that, I was like, this is not going to work. So mm-hmm. your point of starting simple, this is not something that's just going to kill you. This is, It makes you feel good, and, and I agree with you. These these smart progressions is, is absolutely the way to go, and it can it's a, it's a win for anyone at any fitness level. I agree completely, yeah. You know, some of the things that I try to focus on there, I feel like they're so basic and common that we fail to pay attention to them. Like we never even really noticed them or thought about them. Like the transitions between lying and standing positions, the developmental movements and the joint functions. I, I think, you know, in, in, in Western society, especially where we're seduced by complex, difficult things, you know, the shiny stuff. You, you, you know, we're, we're impressed by, of course, it's impressive when you see athletes doing um, really difficult things, but but yeah, we, we, we forget to uh, appreciate the you know really the most important things um, on which everything else is built. And a lot of times we don't really start to appreciate it until we've lost them. Mark, what about Leah? Leah is big is is she responds to a lot of the questions on your in your community. How did y'all connect, and what is her role with with Mark Lauren on demand? I first met her at um, – she attended one of my courses in Hamburg, Germany, one of my bodyweight training 2.0 courses. She's just highly athletic. She's, she's really into what she does, and it, it, she, it, it started out as a part-time job you know, because she was just – she was very motivated. Yeah, it started out as a part-time job, I think, uh, shortly before we kicked off the, um, the subscription platform. And, uh, and, you know, it, it quickly grew into a, a full-time career where she now handles everything from customer service to, to marketing. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a superstar. Yeah, she's doing a great, doing a great job. And, and I love the videos that she puts out, too. And then she, sometimes she posts about what she did every day that past week, her exercises. And, um, what oh, yeah, her weekly training. Update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I've always wondered about you, Mark, is why do you have so many international followers? Well, you are your own gem. My first book was published and translated into 12 languages. So I, I had really massive worldwide distribution through that first book. And I had later books that, that were also translated. Uh, not quite as many, not quite as much. You know, my second book, Body by You, um, some of my my diet books and the nine day challenge books, they were they were all translated to different languages. And then I was on a a show once that got me really massive coverage in the Middle East. And when, when he, when he came to my agent, he introduced himself as the Oprah of the Middle East. So, yeah, so I, I did a show with him about, um, he, 
he used my first app that was based on the the, the programs and you are your own gym and and yeah so I, I, did, I did a show with with him and uh my i basically now have have a a pretty big following in the middle east as well that's that's stuck with me <laughs> what are some of the most most asked questions to you and to leah or that you see in the community I think you honestly asked um, a lot of them. It's it's often about you know different exercises. Hey, if I can't do it, this exercise, you know, what what should I do? And the the answer is usually, well, you should be doing that exercise and probably just you know if you have time, um, practicing it a little bit in your spare time. People often ask what the best starting point is. Yeah, that's probably the the most common one actually. You know, with with young guys, we all want to have you know lean muscular physiques for the most part, right? And people see then like, hey, you know, I see that you have these different exercise programs. They want to do the strength training program or the 90-day challenge, but there's the prep program and bodyweight training 2.0. Where should I start? And my answer is often, well, you should you should go through the prep program. And that's really just because, again, you know, the the strength that you're going to build with the 90-day challenge and and the the 10-week strength training program. It needs to be built on a foundation of healthy joints and basic mobility and coordination. Otherwise, whatever you, you, you build, it's, it's probably not going to last as long because really I think our bodies, you, if you think about any structure, you think about a bridge or a building, right? The integrity, the strength of that, of that structure really depends on the ideal alignment of its parts. Our bodies are like that, except it's more dynamic because we're, we're constantly moving. But if your joints aren't healthy and if you don't have basic functions and you're not able you don't have the coordination you know so basically if 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 basic joint health and mobility is not in place and you don't have the coordination yet to um to get yourself into proper alignment while you're doing these exercises then you're just going to be applying a lot of stress to your structure in a way that's not totally safe and your performance when you're not exercising also won't be what, what it could be. So, again, I, I, I think, you know, be patient, start at the beginning and work your way through the progression. And then even once you're at, you know, if you're if you're doing the 10 week strength training program, like the one that I, I you know, the, the one that I just released today, um, even in that program, I still have periodic active recovery weeks built into it. There's actually three. So it's actually a 13 week program because there's three active recovery weeks. One after week four, one after week eight, one after week ten, where all you're doing is mainly focusing on mobility with, with relatively easy workouts. And even during the week, the regular weeks, there are recovery days where you're not strength training. You're just focusing on um, basic mobility and active recovery to, to, to keep you healthy. Well, starting at the beginning, I think, is, is very important because when I first did your 90-day challenge the very first time in 2018 – I thought, okay, I'm going to start at level two. It just made sense to me. I, I've always been active. I've been working out regularly. And level two was very difficult for me. So I quickly realized I had to go to level one. And, you know, there's no shame in that. And I think that it, but there's an ego thing probably for a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, me and a lot of other people, I guarantee you, they all think they can get a level two, level three right away. And probably can't if you're not used to kind of doing some of these exercises already. You're totally right. You know, performance is efficiency. So your, your, your performance is increased if you can achieve your goal with less, en less energy, right? That's efficiency. That's what performance is all about. 
you know, here in Thailand, when I used to box, some of the, the, the coaches, the trainers would joke, champions are lazy. You know, and it's, it's more about efficiency what they're talking about because you get these guys that are really good boxers and they don't do anything unnecessary or extra. They, they almost have an appearance of being lazy. But uh, when it comes to exercise, you know, kind of think, think of that and then, you know, why if, – if you can get good results with level one of the 90-day challenge or you are getting good results with level one of the 90-day challenge, why would you do level two? Think about it. Mm-hmm. Like why would – if you're getting good results with something – Stay there. Don't increase. But that's that. You know, that's that's not how we usually function. Usually, like we get something and it's good, and the automatic reaction is to get more of it, and then we get more of it until it's not good for us anymore. You know, or, or the behavior stops, or we get hurt, or whatever. So, um, again, I think, and that you were talking about the difference between middle-aged men and and young men. I think knowing when to stop, knowing when you've had enough, is really important. So, yeah, I mean, start at the lowest level and enjoy the gains with, you know, that you're getting for a minimal sacrifice of energy. Mark, how do you keep up with science or new discoveries or new techniques or changes in techniques? I don't really that much, to be honest. And um, I think a lot of my, my learning has honestly come more from cultural learning. I think living in Thailand ha- has had a big impact on me and seeing kind of the, the, the Thai boxing that I did. Also, honestly, seeing how they, they train here with their religion. And then, of course, being in the special operations community and, and, and the experience I had that, working with Rafael Ruiz, he mainly focused on uh, improving performance with, with high-level athletes. And like, so how do you improve performance with high-level athletes? Again, it's, it's mainly about efficiency and improving joint alignment. So you know, I, I first started working with him and, and seeing like, oh, okay, so this is really the way that you can – one of the things that – I had a problem when I first published You Are Your Own Gym. And, you know, at that point, I'd been exercising for about 20 years nonstop religiously. I was a special ops trainer, et cetera. But one of the things I realized is the transfer of performance from exercise to real life tends to be very minimal, at least the way I saw it. And at that point, You Are Your Own Gym published – and they're saying, hey, Mark, you're, you're a fun- functional tra- training expert, you know, introducing me on the radio. But I was like, oh, man, I'm an expert now. Like, I remember thinking afterwards to myself, like, what is it that that you really know that makes you an expert? And I was being honest with myself. I said, I didn't really feel like I was an expert. I, I knew I didn't know. One of the things that I, I believed was that, again, like the transfer performance from exercise to real life tends to be low. And that's because you only get good at what you do. Adaptation is very specific, and that's a very important principle to, to how, how I create my exercise programs. Then I started training with Rafael Ruiz, and he said, you know, one of the ways that you can improve overall performance or the way to improve overall performance is by improving joint alignment and posture. Why? Because that's what you need for everything. So you're, you're focusing specifically on a common denominator, right, fundamentals. And then what happened is I moved to Thailand, and what I saw here in Thailand was that I saw a lot of these principles about posture and joint alignment being applied to, to everyday people. You know, for example, if you go to their temples, they do things like walking meditation. They have sitting meditation and their posture tends to be very good. You know, they can sit on the, the floor. They can eat in a squatting position for an hour and, you know, with perfect posture and be totally comfortable. So so the joint alignment. Yeah, it's amazing. They sort of train for these things. And what it does is or what I realized um, is that, okay, like by practicing sitting, by practicing walking, what are you improving? 
You're improving your ability to relax, rhythmic breathing, awareness, posture, and for the walking part, weight shifting. And why is that so powerful and useful? Because those are the things you're using all the time. So um, that's kind of for me how my puzzle sort of came together. And yeah, and honestly, when, 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 I, when I look at this obsession that we sort of have with like this study proving this and this study proving that, I feel like, I don't know, I don't want to, I'm not like, I, I appreciate science for everything that it is, but, you know, fitness, it's a very complex thing. And that has not been my main way of learning. Okay. Uh, just a few more then, Mark. Will you share with us, especially your followers may want to know, what weights or accessories or equipment do you use in addition, you know, obviously body weight is the key, but you can throw in a few things, some dumbbells and things. So what are some other things that you use when you exercise? On a, on a very regular basis, obviously I have a bar for pull-ups and let me ups. You need something for, or, or I, I always use something for, for pulling exercises. And then I, I, I like to have weight for hip hinging exercises, you know? So for example, uh, one of the exercises in the new strength training program were actually most of the, the, the leg exercises, I think all of the exercises, leg exercises in the new strength training program, um, I, I give people the option of holding a kettlebell or a dumbbell to their chest as they do, for example, like while they're doing Bulgarian split squats or while they're doing um, one-legged box squats, for example, or side lunges and things like that. And because these are exercises that require balance and they're one-legged exercises, holding a dumbbell or, or, or kettlebell to your chest does a lot to really strengthen and challenge your uh, challenge yourself. So you don't you don't need a ton of weight there. You've got a new program coming out tomorrow or to I don't. Oh, see it released it. today. It's today. Okay, I'm looking on your app right now. I don't see it. Oh, it's it, it should just say new. It's it's the same strength training program, just updated workouts. Well, your app has come a long way, and there's so much good good on here, and it's <clears throat> and it's organized where you can figure out where to start. You know, I've got some of my favorites that are saved and downloaded, so I can watch them anywhere if I don't have uh, Wi-Fi. I can search by shoulder, and then find all the ones that involve the shoulder, which has been very beneficial to me because um, oh, I, I did fun. screw my shoulder up again recently uh, playing dodgeball with a bunch of kids. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just start throwing the ball. I knew not to. And I just started throwing hard uh, immediately and jacked my shoulder up. Working on that, but you're helping me with that. Uh, anything else, Mark, you'd like to share? We have a community at, at community.marklauren.com where uh, people can ask questions and, uh, you know, share their experiences. And aside from that, um, I guess there's just a book, Strong and Lean, Nine-Minute Daily Workouts to Your Best Body. That's going to be releasing in, uh, in October. It releases in Germany in December. And beyond that, you know, it's just going to be, I guess, the next exercise program for Mark Dorn On Demand that I'm going to be developing is is, uh, is a program made up of nine-minute workouts. Okay. There's one thing your your followers from a, from a few years will may, may be interested in this or notice this. When your app first came out, it was a web-based app, and we used to rank the workouts every time we were done. I forgot if it was easy, hard, or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to rank them somehow, and and uh-huh. did you decide to scratch that, or is there ever going to anything come from that? I mean, so when I first started, my first app that was based on the You Are Your Own Gym book, I had a partnership with with app developers, and then for the second app, the Marketing on Demand app, I decided that I was just going to hire an agency to 
so I could be, you know, and, and more, have more control over, over the app. And I basically, they developed that, that entire app for me. And those costs were, you know, I had no experience with these things. I just decided to go for it and try it. Those costs were uh, pretty significant. I mean, they almost sunk my ship. <laughs> so it was a couple of years ago that um, I, I, I transitioned to a completely different platform where it's, uh, so basically the platform that I have now is through Vimeo. And I, I just pay monthly to, to use that platform. But one of the, I mean, the benefits is that it's a, it's a very stable, very good um, suite of apps for, you know, Roku, iOS, Android, web, et cetera. The, the limiting factor there is that um, customized app development is not possible. So that, that's, that's really why some of those features changed. You know, one thing that I don't know if you've talked about much, you'll have to tell me because I just don't remember it now, is ankle flexion or, uh, you know, like, and I talked about this in my first podcast with you a few years ago, is like when doing squats, keeping your heels on the ground, and I can't, I still can't do it. Have you ever specifically talked about how to get that Achilles or your ankle stretch so you can have that mobility to keep your heels on the ground when you squat? I would, I would say that the, the, the best thing that you can do to improve your squat there is maybe to, with your back up against the wall, go into a deep squat. You know, try to spend five minutes a day there. As your heels get closer to the wall, the stretch is going to be more intense. So you can create a progression out of that. Okay. So again, I mean, to improve squatting, you know, one of the best things that you can do is squat. Or, and, and, you know, use different variations of squats and a progression there. The, the, you know, another good stretch is, uh, you know, the short kneeling transition. Uh-huh. I mean, usually when, when I do static stretching in, in the evenings often, and that's one of the stretches that I like to do is I'll just go into a, a short kneeling, kind of a squat. It's, it's, it's a mix between a squat and uh, a kneeling position, and, I, and I'll stretch my uh, soleus and Achilles that way. Okay. Anything else, Mark? I mean, you could also use do massage. Massage. Get, get a really hard, get a hard foam roller and, uh, and 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 massage that area on a daily basis. Maybe before you work out. That's going to be a good one. Okay. You just got a PVC pipe. Hey, so thank you for listening to that talk with Mark. I know it cut off kind of abruptly there at the end, but he and I just kind of started talking for a little bit, and so I was trying to find a good place to cut it off. But anyway, I always love talking to him. I, I really. I really enjoy his philosophy on on exercise and health. So if you enjoyed the episode, I ask that you please go rate it on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Stitcher or TuneIn or wherever you listen to it at. I am now on Spotify. One of my recent episodes, I know I had said I wasn't sure if I was on Spotify. Well, I wasn't, but now I am. I finally put my mind to it and figured out it actually took me about five minutes to do. So I think I'm everywhere now. Also, Mark provided a discount code once again. If you go to marklauren.com and use the promo code PATRIOT, when you sign up for an annual subscription, you get 20% off. And uh, I don't know what the annual subscription is now. It used to be $60, so that'd be 12 bucks off a year. 48 bucks for his program would be is a great deal. I think it has gone up, though. I just don't know what it is since I've kept my membership since since it started in 2018. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.